Howdy, folks. Before we start this session of Bebop Tabletop, we just want to say thanks to all our listeners, Twitter followers, and everyone who supported us along the journey. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on your listening app of choice. It would help us out more than a sack full of oolongs. Now, hit it. Three, two, one. This is Bebop Tabletop, the podcast that's turning each episode of Cowboy Bebop into a tabletop RPG. I'm Michael Janoff. I'm Lee Joe John. I'm Andrew Wu. And together, we're remixing the characters, music, and themes into a game you can play. Let's jam. Shucks howdy. Welcome to Bebop Tabletop Session 2, Stray Dog Strut. I'm Andrew Wu, and joining me once again are Michael Janov and Lee Joe John. How y'all doing? Howdy. Doing great. Doing great. I'm glad to hear that, because today we're talking about the second episode of Cowboy Bebop, and we finally meet our furriest crew member. Right? Something that uh, we've all been waiting for. Before we get into it, something I did want to mention that we forgot last week was how to get our listeners to watch along with us. And right now it's October of 2021. And in the U.S., the show we know is available for streaming on Hulu. Something else I noticed was that it's available for purchase through Amazon Prime. It's like two bucks an episode or six dollars for the whole season. So I don't know why you would not get the whole season. My preferred place to buy it from was uh, Google Play, but it's like $35, I think, for the whole season. So I did not buy it there. I'm watching it uh, with my old DVD set instead. Something else I was wondering about, are we going to have to watch like the live action on Netflix and the, the old show on Hulu? I'm not really sure how that's going to be resolved. In any case, uh, today we're kicking off our trip to the Cowboy Bebop universe with Stray Dog Strut. In this session, our favorite bounty hunters and dog walkers head to Mars to hunt Abdul Hakim, a serial pet snatcher with an 8 million Wulong bounty. Ayn the Data Dog escapes from Hakim, and the ensuing chase brings destruction and chaos throughout the Martian city. At the chase's climax, Spike chooses to save the dog over pursuing the bounty, while Hakim and the scientists crash into a police station. After yet another unsuccessful bounty, it seems that the only way our heroes are getting paid is in dog biscuits and belly rubs. What did you guys think about this episode? Not so bad. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting reward with belly rubs. Honestly, I don't get enough of that these days. But, uh, the, the thing I want to note right away is that the tonal shift from the first episode to this episode is night and day. Right? The first episode was all about this, this brooding kind of noir and this episode's all about just like, well, hijinks and japes and and funny, you know, people with funny voices. Like the the pet shop lady in this episode has one of my favorite mm-hmm. voices in the whole show. <laughs> A lot fewer people died, too, which is nice. Oh, that always helps. Not yeah. none. <laughs> <laughs> Not none. Did, you, you know, you, met, you, you mentioned uh, the dog. Was was the dog's name actually mentioned in this episode? I don't think I don't it, was. it was. So I, 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 I looked this up earlier, too. Yeah, the, the same problem was that... Like, I know Spike doesn't know the dog's name early. Hakeem doesn't care what the dog's name is. I don't think it's mentioned at all. No, I don't believe it's no, called, I don't, uh, so. I don't believe it's named in the entire episode, but it is, I mean, it's definitely referenced at some point. I just don't remember when. You got Mongrel, you got <laughs> two Wulongs worth. Um, <laughs> what, one of my one of my favorite parts was that this, um, when they were when they were going over, uh, you know, Abdul Hakim's 
or his bounty mm-hmm. board, I guess we'll call it. Very different bounty board from the first time. Instead of a very official, like, police report looking, you know, picture with age and criminal, detailed criminal record with all this mm-hmm. bad stuff, it's he's four times the bounty price, and his only criminal record is that he steals pets. <laughs> there's no violent record there's uh they want him alive and undamaged it's what why is he worth this much more why is the dog worth only two wulong the solar system at this point cares much much more about animal welfare than it does about you know dealing drugs i suppose clearly you can make the argument that because this is this belongs to a rich person, you know, it's much more valuable to get you know what the rich person wants as opposed to what mm. those petty poors need uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but regardless, it's a yeah, not it's a real bizarre in- increase in in bounty, which uh, that's why he's on the show, right? Well, the the other thing that happened, there was a secondary, there was a secondary reward from the doctor. Oh, that's right. A uh, we have the 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 big eight hundred or the eight mil wulong reward from the bounty board and a paltry 300 from the doctor for a 280 wulong from Mm -hmm. the doctor for a request not to uh, is it not to hurt the dog or or no to punch i oh actually in the face it was the other way around it was the other way around around. Uh, the The doctor was offering uh was offering to show what hakeem looked like after plastic surgery and the his price was 300 which is not not a bad price uh but also he needed to you know spike needed to punch hakeem that's 150 dogs. That's not bad. <laughs> Speaking of the bounty board, so we're introduced this episode to Big Shot. Punch and Judy, right, are some sort of send-up of American cowboys on, on a system, a solar system broadcast TV show just talking about, what, what, what did Judy say? Something like, like the, the show for Bounty or the show for fugitives, the show that tells you all about fugitives. I think that that's the tagline for this show. Mm. Well, so so something that else that I noticed in there is they they introduced the fact that there are three hundred thousand bounty hunters in the star system. So that kind of gives us a sense of population, or well, I mean, it it can mean a couple things, right? If there are three hundred thousand bounty three hundred thousand bounty hunters, but only like a million people in the in the solar system. That's a weird ratio, right? That's too many bounty hunters. <laughs> or or it means that there are, you know, billions of people across the solar system and there are still 300,000 bounty hunters, right? Mm. Uh, later on, we, we do find out that it, Mars is probably the most populated place. I think there are, there are places around Jupiter and then Mars, I think, is the, the most people, the most lived-in place. From this episode, we start to see that Martian city and how it's like a city in a crater and there's all these oxygen generators and there's like it, one, once we land, right, uh, one of the coolest shots, right, is the bebop landing in that water. And one, there's water, right? That's not what we expect to see on Mars. Two, it, once we're there, it just feels like a regular, kind of like a Chinatown city, right? Almost like a, like a built up apartment buildings and just streets running in a grid pattern, right? Pretty different from Tijuana on the first episode. Different yeah. cultural uh, inspirations. It also is a little bit weird because Spike had quite a bit of uh, resentment towards Mars in the pilot episode, and mm-hmm. now he's in Mars, and he, he seems pretty chill. 
So it's a little bit of a, you know, whiplash in terms of tonal shift. Yeah, that that is interesting. I wonder... So, like, that kind of speaks to character development, right? Mm. This almost feels like a second pilot in that way. Like, it's it's almost as if we're reintroducing the character of Spike and Jet. Uh, mm. Even though... Cause, like, in this episode... Uh, something I noted in this episode, Jet has even less to do this week than he did last week. He does kind of the same thing. And we'll, we'll talk about a little bit how these two, uh, this, this week and last week's episode kind of parallel each other very, uh, very closely. And uh, especially for, for gameplay purposes, right? But Jet does exactly the same thing as he did last week, except even less of it, right? La- last week, Jet, you know, talked to his police contacts, found more information about the bounty but then showed up and did some of the action, right? He showed up at the bar. He came in with the hammerhead at some point. Uh, this week, he uh, finds some info, right? and then he stays home, right? He, he, he plays on the computer. He, he, sets up, uh, he sets up Ayn with the, the tracker and sets up the plan in motion, but then he, like, hacks on the computer. He doesn't, he doesn't actually come out. Which is a funny little the turn. the important thing of all. <laughs> Go for it. I was just saying, it's just kind of the interesting turnabout of like this big muscular dude being the guy behind the screen. It's a it's just a fun little uh, twist on the what what you'd expect. It defies expectation. Yeah. So this week we want to talk about a specific mechanic. We want to focus on a specific mechanic that we think makes sense in a tabletop game. That came about in this episode as we watched it. And the primary thing we discovered this week was the chase. So the way this episode works out is that it was twice during the episode, I believe, a chase breaks out. I think the first time Ayn escapes from the pet shop and Hakeem and Spike and the dog all chase each other throughout the city. After that resolves, I think there's, there's like the act break right in the middle, like right, right once that resolves as well. And then interestingly, the story then says, hey, we're almost going to immediately go back into almost exactly the same situation. In this case, the, the dog scientists, the seems that way guy, is going to activate the dog whistle and the dogs will then just start chasing that dog whistle throughout the city. Uh, again, chasing, chased by Hakeem and then Spike and then the dog scientists, right? The chase is what it's all about. So as, as players play these tabletop games, we will have chases. I think that is something we, we touched on that a little bit last week as well, where, uh, what did we call it? The, the action. What was it? The hunt. The hunt, right. So one, one of the phases of our game is the hunt. And the hunt is all about this chase. How do we find the bounty? Or in this case also, how, you know, maybe other people are chasing as well. Uh, what kind of mechanics do we have to put in place so that players can experience that chase? Yeah, and uh, I think we mentioned a little bit too last week that the first episode had a pretty considerable chase sequence as well. <laughs> and like this week, there was more than two parties involved. It's not just the player characters and their mark. It's their player characters, their mark, and other interested (laughs) parties who might be interested in the mark. And I'm sure at some point in the protagonists as well. (laughs) Um, But what I thought was interesting is that the 
Mark in this case, Hakeem, someone put a bounty on him. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it would have been the scientists, and but they never that never mm-hmm. goes into it why that would have happened in the first place. You know, unless it's a it's just a report for trying to catch a serial dog napper. But it, it seems like for a price that high, it would go beyond that and be the scientists themselves. So I almost wonder if we have these chase scenes and we have these multiple interested parties um, who's posting these bounties and would the people who post the bounties try to catch the bounty as well. Hmm. So it's kind of swirling motivations. That that raises a very interesting point of, I, I don't, well, maybe, maybe I get the sense that those scientists or the group that they represent has 8 million Wulongs in the first place. Right. Because if they are the ones that want Hakeem and specifically the dog, I'm guessing, right? They're they're willing to offer eight million. They have to have that eight million, right? I, I guess they have like a high tech van. Uh, at some point, it has a grappling hook. They do, which is uh, Very. I don't know why it has a grappling hook, but I love it. Um, why don't you? No. <laughs> uh, 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 catch dogs. The dog whistle is so. <laughs> mm, I love that idea. <laughs> Just a giant uh, ultrasonic speaker on top of your van yeah <laughs> i was of the opinion that or at least i was thinking that if the if the scientists were the ones who performed the bounty they don't actually care about hakeem at all they just want the dog and obviously mm-hmm. they don't specify what data the data dog data dog has uh within you know but mm-hmm. the <laughs> regardless i becomes a a point of contention for the entirety of mm-hmm. the episode yeah, Ein's a total MacGuffin, right? Like we we never learn what what his data dog anything is, what that means. Uh, maybe later in the series, I don't remember ever learning what that means. We never learn again. We never learned his name, right? This whole time, uh, we we see him being smart, right? At some point, he messes with the car's controls so that he opens the doors. Uh, he seemed. You know, uh, what was it in the in the first chase sequence? Spike and Hakeem are fighting on the bridge. Very cool scene. I, I did like that fight. Uh, very well framed. I think more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> they fight on the bridge, and Ein sees the boat coming and jumps for the boat. And then after he lands on the boat, he realizes Hakeem will get stuck there, so he jumps back and pushes Spike off, so that he, like, it it seems intentional. It seems like this dog knows, like, hey, this is my way out of here using what I know this guy will do instead. Is that smarter than the average dog? Well, you know, from a, from a game standpoint, maybe you can answer that question in, uh, uh, you know, what kind of uh, interaction is, is this dog? Is this mm. dog a character in this encounter? Is this a fourth party? Is it Hakeem, uh, Spike, Ein, and well, I guess four would be the scientists <laughs> later. Is, are they a, uh, uh, a third or fourth party or are are they strictly a MacGuffin? Are they just hmm. a, a challenge to overcome? Are they a and player character? Can somebody play as Ein? <laughs> I think so. I, if, there's cer- Certainly there's opportunities for players in, in all systems to play antagonists to the party. Mm-hmm. Antagonists in this case being not actively helping their cause mm-hmm. necessarily. Well, regardless... Um... When you, if you boil this down, you can boil this down to this chase into a kind of just overall encounter, correct? Like rather than the straightforward, I move here, I punch this, you know, and I deal this much damage. In this case, there's 
not just are you moving, but you're making, you know, either you're overcoming obstacles or in case of Ayn, you may be, you know, setting obstacles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, it always ends up being a matter of motivation. Why mm-hmm. is the Ayn character running from everybody as opposed to, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to why is he not just uh, grouping back with the rest of his party? Now, maybe he needs to do something before everybody else can stop him or may you know there's there's a a plethora of options the question is is it is it better to have a player character in charge or make this an npc and i mean as much fun as you know a furry npc is uh sometimes you don't get that option i guess the question you could ask is what is the end goal Mm -hmm. is what do you track for a game Mm -hmm. In, in this situation Ein, Ein's goal is to get away, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he probably. Uh, it's. I don't know if it's clear at this point whether Ein wants to hang out with Spike mm-hmm. or not. No. I think he's mostly just trying to get away from the scientists and Hakeem. Right. I think that's. That's fair. That's probably his only motivation. No. He does bite Spike at some point. So. <laughs> he does. He bites Spike later, but in the end, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. Then. Yeah. Uh, mm. In terms of Ein, I imagine. Going back to either Hakeem or the scientists would be a no, no, no good to bad time. <laughs> so Ayn wants to get away. Spike mm-hmm. wants to get Hakeem. Hakeem. And Hakeem wants to get... The dog. Yes, Ayn. The do- Ayn he wants to sell dog. the dog. Yeah. So effectively, we have th- for our various characters, and in this case, the party is a party of one. But mm-hmm. if the party is Spike, if we make that make that leap, we have three different motivations. Mm-hmm. One way you can tackle this is they all they all want three different things. And you could say the first one to achieve their thing effectively wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, win, wins the contest. If we think of this as a as as a, an encounter or a contest. Mm-hmm. Ein wins okay. if they get away um, and so on. Right. It's like like these are the different win states, right? We we can mm-hmm. set up That's interesting. So so as a game Right. Instead of making it a a chase that is because, you know, if we were in the realm of video games instead, yeah, we'd want the chase to be real. Right. You'd want to move through a physical space. You'd want a uh, and even some some tabletop games, even like Dungeons and Dragons, right, kind of has a like, oh, yeah, you set up the board. Uh, you know, there's a physical space and you're moving your characters, you know, 30 feet at a time, you know, one one action at a time through a space like you can set up a chase that way. Uh, I think a, a couple of times I've played chases that way. We could kind of take it a higher level, right? We, you know, again, we haven't decided. We talked about this a little bit earlier. We haven't decided exactly how to play this game yet, uh, and we're hoping to discover it as we go through it. But one of the things we could do is we could take the chase at kind of a higher level, right? Like a encounter is a chase that we 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 set up these rules like these are these are the exit scenarios either known to the players or not right i think is an interesting way to to go about it as well because the party may not know what hakim's goal is right they can assume but they don't really know when when the scientists in the van show up i don't know what they want right i i see them taking actions in a certain way but i don't actually know what their end goal might be i don't know what their victory is so i can't specifically I can try to counter what I think they're doing, but I, I don't know that for sure, right? Uh, we could kind of play a chase as like several rounds of motivation checking, right? Some, something that is like, oh, well, then I'll do this, 
And then uh, what does that create? What kind of problems did that cause? Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's something that you have to manage closely. I mean, to, to your point, a there could be a dis, we'll call it a, a decision point or a conflict mm-hmm. uh, like during the chase during the chase scenes for example being presented with some people playing a game at a table i think ein just went through it no problems caused mm-hmm. that for further further their goals spike just blew through it and i think hakim jumped over it uh, I think, so, let me think, yeah. And then the scientists showed up, I think, in that one too, and, and they confronted the scientists, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. that's exactly how it worked, yeah. Yeah, and so maybe in in a situation like that, Ayn just progressed their goal. They had some mm-hmm. uh, form or existing condition that allowed them to... Mm-hmm not have to make a let's small, call it a small stature of this kind right like they, they right. were shorter than the table so they they ran right by it right um hakim uh succeeded a check he did a, mm-hmm. a some feat of acrobatics to parkour to jump mm-hmm. over a table so there was a there was a chance to fail there mm-hmm. and he didn't so his progress advanced mm-hmm. um spike you could say spent some resources to uh, <laughs> accomplish a challenge. He blew through the the table and maybe caused some damage, but his doing that advanced the scientist's progress tracker a little bit, perhaps mm-hmm. to his n- n- not knowing. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. There. There was an effect on the ordering that of that chase. Right. Interesting. So if you have so many things going on. That is one thing for the players, of which there may be three to six, one thing mm-hmm. for the players to keep track of, and three things for the game master to keep track of. <laughs> so maybe a question becomes, does that become public knowledge? Do you track mm-hmm. that do you track that publicly? And would it feel unfair if a participant in this chase succeeded in their goal? blindly or would it feel better if everyone knew that they were getting very close because they could see the progress tracker on the table Ooh, interesting yeah that there are uh, something that again so so i don't have a ton of experience um, running games myself and as a you know as an armchair game master here uh, i do love making things that feel good for me the game master and uh, you know recognizing that oh that is a common beginner pitfall Right, of making things like, oh, this is cool for me because I see everything that's happening underneath the hood. But then the players at the table are like, I don't care because you didn't tell me any of these things. None of these <laughs> things exist in my brain, so I'm not having fun like you are. <laughs> making those public helps, right? Yeah, and if you have that knowledge or if there is some existing structure codified into the game of a chase, and so far we're two for two episodes of having a chase. <laughs> So if that's codified into the game saying, hey, this is what, for for all the players, not just just the game master, not just making something up on the fly for this specific Flavor of the Week episode, this is saying, hey, there will be a chase. This is what it looks like. Um, Mm. There's multiple parties. They'll all be progressing simultaneously. And by the way, can you help me keep track (laughs) of this tracker? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also... Yeah, it also makes the argument that well, you're you're doing a crime or you're doing something adjacent to crime. There will always be some sort of uh, chase or you know, high speed escape you're going to need to make. So, you know, mm-hmm. 
the argument is, you know, perhaps you should oh, as a game master, you should be ready for some sort of chase sequence pretty much at all times. <laughs> uh, that that is something. Yeah, when we talked about this a little bit earlier, I, again, you know, tools to help game masters run their games are always useful. So one of the things I was thinking about was just like uh, either a rollable or just some sort of easy way to pull up a chase sequence, right? Some Something that lets you build a chase sequence out of the box if you just need one quickly, right? Uh, something like a, I, what did I call it earlier? Like something like a stat block for chase sequences, right? Something that says, oh, here's one that works real, real in a pinch and then is easily modified, right? Well, I mean, at that um, point, you're talking about the D100 tables that are in D&D, which sure. is basically, you know, you roll a D100 and whatever you pick is the obstacle du jour. And right. again, obviously you have to modify it as needed, but that can also, you know, not necessarily be a bad thing. You can keep, you can keep track of encounters as stat block combat encounters. So I was talking about hmm. a filling gauge of success. Mm -hmm. You can totally invert that and say, hey, I need 17 success points in order to complete my challenge Ooh. and have it tracked down. And in fact, several game systems actually use that as their core mechanic for everything. Um, mm. There, There is a conflict. This conflict has 17 That's conflict it's, it's, units. It's almost like a health bar. It, it's HP, but for the encounter. Right? I need you to knock off 20 encounter points right yeah. by instead of by combat it's by i don't know witty repartee i don't know <laughs> or in this case it's by by sliding under some chess tables right <laughs> right right you, you can have combat after a fashion without you know punching each other in the face mm. more flavorful Something else I wanted to bring up, since we're talking about this chessboard, um, and something we talked about last week, too, was how property destruction and property damage was kind of a core idea that I liked for this this game, uh, where, yes, you know, the, the, the crew may accomplish some goal. Uh, the crew may even catch a bounty. They don't this week, but and they didn't last week, but someday they might they might capture a bounty and make some money. Uh, but there is a price. Like every every car that crashes, every person that gets injured, every every storefront that blows up unexpectedly, you know, needs to be paid for, and that comes out of the prize money. Uh, one of the things I noticed in this chase is that there's a whole bunch of property damage of like varying scales. So I, I put together a little list of the things that were damaged. Right. So in the first chase here. I think uh, this is just Ayn, Spike, and Hakeem. Uh, in this chase, at some point, they like dive through the streets and run into an alley, and a couple of cars crash. Right? So that's that's thousands of wulongs right there, right? Possibly some injuries even. Oh, I was just going to mention even before that, there was when the robber stole uh, Hakeem's suitcase. Hakeem breaks the the shop door immediately. Like it was like right, yeah. The, <laughs> he bursts uh, through the, the door with like a huge kick, right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, well, that's uh, that's some property damage, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, somebody has to pay for that. Later on, they they there's always the traditional fruit stand, right? They they burst through a fruit stand because, of course, you know, if you're the avatar, you have to destroy the cabbages. It's just the rule. The chessboard's another one, right? Like it's a minor. This is such a small small amount of money 
but you've pissed off a lot of people who, I don't know, may do something or may cause some conflict, right? Uh, maybe there is some reputation loss for doing, like, instead of just property damage being money-based, we talked about last time, yeah, you might not win your bounty, but you earn some reputation. If you do this chase wrong, or if you, you still capture the bounty, but you do something wrong, you may incur some sort of property or reputation loss because you did it badly, because you pissed off, you know, you, uh, in the second chase, you ruined the boss guy's wedding, right? <laughs> in the second chase, once the dog whistle starts going, uh, one, the, the pet shop is destroyed, just wrecked, right? Every dog in that shop just bursts out of there at a thousand miles an hour. Everything is gone, right? I, yeah, I bet those, all those dogs aren't going to come back, right? <laughs> so every single one of those is worth at least two oolongs, right? Every single one. At some point, Hakeem steals a wedding. You know, he, he breaks up a wedding, steals the limo, right? Steals that really cool looking car. I like that car, right? The just married uh, car. He pun- yeah. yeah, the just married car. Yeah. He punches the groom in the face also. <laughs> like that's, you know, that, that's who's paying for that? Somebody's got to pay for that. When Spike's chasing him on the bridge, uh, he's crushing the car with, with his spaceship, right? That's damage to both vehicles right there. Finally, they, they fall off the bridge at, at the end of this chase. And, you know, that you know, public works isn't going to pay for that. Someone has to pay for this damage. All of this comes out of the bounty is what I'm saying. <laughs> you can tell from all this discussion of property damage uh, <laughs> where our age bracket lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs that public works <laughs> So, so the trick is we're, we're not yet talking. We're, so you can tell our age group is younger, too, just because we're not talking about like, oh, that's going to hurt his back tomorrow. He's not going to get up from that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's, we're talking about property damage. We're talking about uh, at the end of the mission, all of this public wrath and damage could be a, a negative to the chase itself. You know, like mm. maybe take... <clears throat> take some popular video games where you build up heat as you run away from the law, maybe there's some mechanic where you... We talked about Spike blowing through a barrier or blowing through the chessboard. Maybe that raises some... Maybe there is advancing the cause, but also some amount of fatigue or Mm -hmm. general chase stress that just causes it to end. Like, if none of the parties Mm. make it to their goal... Because that's another possibility too. If if all of these conflicts have a potential to raise or lower your track to mm-hmm. the, I think you called it an exit scenario, which was nice. Mm. Um, could that take too long or not be feasible? And right. could it be that every action that pushes you a little closer to your exit scenario also raises some effectively time limit? Right. Yeah. Uh, it could just be like a stress. Um, what's the What's the game I'm thinking? Oh, uh, a board game uh, called Captain Sonar has something where every time you move the ship, and there, there's a whole lot of cool things in Captain Sonar, but but the one that I'm thinking of right now is just a uh, every time you move the ship, uh, one of the person's roles is to damage a piece of it. So every time you move a direction, you must destroy a part of your ship. So, yes, I must move in this direction. There's no, no, no question. I have to go that way. But somebody's job is to say, oh, now this is broken or this is broken. They, somebody has to make a decision on what pieces to break, which affect your future, right? Which affect, it's like, oh, we cannot go east again because we have nothing left to break there. 
or if you do that, it breaks something else that is c- catastrophic. Uh, I kind of like that idea in this game, like in taking risky plays, like a chase, I guess, could count as a risky play, right? A gambit. A, a, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with some word, right? Something that is, hey, we are, we're closing the trap now, right? We, we've set up, we've done all the setup. It's time to, it's time to take the action. Do, uh, I don't know, what's, what's a good music term for this? Pitch something to me. Ooh, I, uh... I mean, I'm stuck on Gambit. I like, I, I like Gambit, Gambit a lot. as a uh, Gambit feels yeah, right. That's yeah. a problem. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, have I, 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 but music would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Some. Yeah. Some. Some musical yeah. Gambit. A, a uh, an arpeggio. I don't know. That's not right. But yeah, some, <laughs> a solo. Like a, they, you're you're making a big play. Is what I'm trying to say. And when you do that, there is a price, right? Like it is. It's like, hey, I've decided. What was it? I think. Uh, most heist games have this idea of like, oh, you pick your crew and it's like, you could pick this guy. He's very skilled at this thing that you need, but he's also very flaky, right? There's a positive and a negative. Uh, you could pick this lady. She's a great hacker, but she's also wanted by, she'll draw more heat because she's wanted by more people, right? Things like that. Uh, in this case, like, oh, I've set up several different kind of lines of, yeah, we could we could go for the chase or we could set up the trap or we can... Like in this case, actually, they they never wanted a chase, right? The Bebop crew in this episode never wanted a chase, never set up a chase. The chase happened to them, right? Unlike in the first episode where they set up a trap, right? They set up a a drug deal. Mm. Everything, kind of honestly, everything that happened to Spike this episode was uh, more or less on accident, where he <laughs> he picks the wrong guy to be Hakeem, and then there's again the. Uh, the ridiculous dog whistle. It's a bad time all around for Spike. It is it, pretty funny in this episode how, yeah, they didn't, they they didn't need to be there, right? <laughs> I don't think they needed to be in this episode at all. <laughs> they 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 pressed the uh, resolution. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's uh, un- uncertain whether the scientists would have found Hakeem. H- Hakeem seemed to be on a deadline, by the way. He mm-hmm. seemed to think that something was going to happen in two hours. I, I don't think that was Seems ever that made way. clear. But he, he could have... The scientists were not going to find it until they unleashed the dog whistle. But I think Hakeem lost the dog anyway. The dog was locked in a locked chest, which wouldn't have opened if mm. uh, Spike... Well, he got, it got stolen from him, but Spike eventually intervened. Right. So... Spike, the the spike or the players had some influence. That is that is interesting. So in you know one one of the features I kind of like about well I like this about open world video games and I kind of like it in tabletop games also is the idea of the world continuing regardless of your presence, right? This, this idea that the world lives and breathes without you. Right? You're you're just a small part of a already functioning world. This episode seems to be seems to be that or seems to have that a lot where, you know, we, we just stepped into the middle of someone else's story. And in the end, we walked out with a dog. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, the I'm also and I in case we forget to talk about this, I, I love how in the middle of this serious investigation, Hakeem stops to listen to the fortune teller bird. Mm, I love uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> and that feels the most game to me. The fact that like something serious is happening, but your party will occasionally listen to the fortune telling bard or something. 
Because, you know, it's, it's bound to pay off, right? Uh, he'll pay you when he's rich. <laughs> so I, w- I wonder about this, because they may have been drawing parallels between Hakeem and Spike a little bit. Right? They're both tall, lanky guys uh, with weird hair, and they both listen to fortune tellers while they're in the middle of something. Different kinds of fortune tellers, but still, uh, they're both skilled at hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. They are pretty... There were a few scenes where they're more or less mirrored of each other. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever flies a ship, though. I think it was terrestrial at all time. Yeah, he's just like... He drives, mm-hmm. right? He just drives. Oh, that's right. Yeah. One uh, one interest... One thing you could do, so... The the party in this episode has been one player. You know, it's just Spike, mm-hmm. which is not 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 particularly. Uh, uh, let me put it this way: a game with three players and a game with six players are wildly different games. <laughs> um, and never mind a game with one player and you know one game master. But um, h- how do you do this chase scene with mm-hmm. multiple players? How do you make it engaging for everybody? Um, how do you, more importantly, too, I think, um, and a lot of board games, cooperative board games fall into this trap, is how do you play a cooperative chase scene, which has, which is pretty gamey, where, you know, the thing we've laid out mm-hmm. is pretty gamey. How do you do it and allow all of the individual players to have agency and not allow one player to dictate everything that happens to mm-hmm. the group and the party goal? The quarterbacking problem, <laughs> and you know, partially you can you know this the the, the party is a, is a team of you can yeah, depending on what what kind of story they want to weave for themselves they're talented or disjointed or or what but they're a team so perhaps part of the resource of the trait is actually your fellow you know fellow companions maybe hmm. you. Uh, make a bold sacrifice to of one player to move, you know maybe lag a little bit farther behind but enable one group or one player to advance further towards down this motivation tracker that we've been talking mm-hmm. about or have one player go and lay a trap while the other ones continue the chase you know things like this how do we uh, involve everyone not necessarily in the same exact mm-hmm. way no big people feel like I mean out. I sorry I was I was just trying to uh, agree in the sense that like uh, complexity is is a difficult ask when it comes to these type of you know quote unquote encounters now I know some some of the like actual play role playing D and or whatever podcasts and other videos I watch uh, the easiest way to make these to avoid making it so one-sided is that you have to have multiple things going on there needs to be multiple threats present because if, if it's a, if it's a straight party versus bad guy uh, yeah it's going to be a pretty predictable situation however if you have the bad guy and the party is fighting but also there's a landslide or something you know <laughs> in this case, in in later episodes where multiple people are doing multiple things in in the show, like it is generally because it's it's not so simple that you can't just punch the the bad guy and be done with it. You have to you know mitigate other problems, and so whether that is like you said, part of the team is setting up a trap, part of the team is 
being the bait, whatever. Or alternatively, just maybe you're splitting up the party. One of them is actively trying to seduce something or someone, and the other one is actively getting their lights kicked in, or, you know, their teeth kicked in. So whatever, you know, whatever needs to happen, you have to, it is tough to do it all at once, but mm-hmm. that is something you may want to consider. <laughs> right. We could, I mean, you could do it in a way that's like, uh, so, you know, we, we, we've done this before in, in, in D&D, where it's like, okay, these are multiple things happening at once, but we just handle them one at a time, right? And then kind of like meta regroup and say, okay, those all happened at the same time. And as a result of, you know, this one failed, this one failed, this one succeeded. So because of that, this is how these motivation trackers advance, right? Like may- maybe you do it like that. You do it as a phase of some kind. Um, something I wanted to say was just how, yeah, like in, in a combat scenario in Dungeons & Dragons, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a ranged caster, so I want enemies that I can affect some way, right? I'm a barbarian melee person, so I want to be up front smashing things, right? Like, I, it's you know that that encounter build has to match the party. Uh, we haven't talked about character creation at all. We don't know yet what kind of character types exist, or what kind of specialties exist. I suppose for characters. That may affect how we end up designing a multi-person chase, right? In this case, yeah, in this episode, right, where uh, Jet set up the GPS tracker and set up his plot, his plan for tracking this dog, right, via satellite. Uh, in the future, right, we have Ed on board where there's some actual hacking, right? So, so maybe there's something defeating a security system or taking down the cameras at the right, you know, I'm just stealing from other heist things now, right? Where you're sure. stealing from, you're stealing from the casino. So, you know, your, your warrior monk is hiding inside of something and your charming people are up front talking to people. You know, you design your heist so that everybody has a job to do. Uh, you design your chase maybe the same way. Maybe there's a way to do that. It, it sounds like we have just, there, there is a focus. There is, a, there is a chase focus, mm-hmm. but there are events happening in parallel or, or in advance, frankly, um, that have some, some payoff. So, in this episode, there, there, there are, there is a two-player party. There is Spike and there is, mm-hmm. um, there's Jet. Spike is in the chase. He is the, um, he is the, 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 the focus actor. But in parallel mm-hmm. and and in advance, there was some activity that Jet was doing. Potentially, and let's say maybe there's another party member setting up a trap somewhere else. Um, even if these events aren't happening exactly at the same time, we can run them at the same time. And then when mm-hmm. they resolve, maybe there's some checks, you know, we Jet sees how good his GPS gps tracker actually were to be by faulty software you know whatever um at some point there's a payoff and that payoff contributes to the motivation tra- you know we're calling it i'm calling it the motivation tracker mm-hmm. but the, the the progress tracker to the exit scenario and maybe those trackers uh, maybe those non-parallel payoffs happen at different points in the chase Mm-hmm. So that's one way you can tie in, uh, you know, all of these different skill sets without being, you know, in the room where it happened. Right. I, I like this idea too, where you, the person that's supposed to set up the trap, future, you know, you're down the road. You're you're the one trying to set up this trap, and you know that you failed that check already. But there's nothing you can do about 
about this, you know, your your spikes hunting down Hakeem or funneling Hakeem down towards your trap, but your trap is going to catch Spike instead. You know this is going to happen. It won't catch Hakeem or it will catch the second person across through. And there's no way that you can affect that except to hope that maybe Spike does something else different or Jet did something else different earlier, right? That does not have everything just funnel into this thing that you know you failed. I think that's a fun player moment, right? That's a fun, dramatic irony almost, right? Where it's like, I know this is going to be bad. I love these moments in D&D, right? Where it's like, I know this is going to turn out very, very poorly, but there, I hope something fixes this. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I just have to sit and watch it happen otherwise. The one slight way you could change that even is if, let's say there's, a, there's roles involved, if the final role is in doubt, will will hinge Mm -hmm. you could wait until that moment when the payoff would happen (laughs) and then roll the dice and see how it goes oh i love that that way one player doesn't have to stay quiet the whole time (laughs) yeah (laughs) this week we talked about stray dog strut our mechanic for the week was the chase Uh, we talked about many different ways of trying to set up chases uh, so we expect now uh, again so week you know week by week we're going to we're going to look at each episode and say this is the mechanic and we'll try to integrate that into our overall game plan last week we talked about the overall structure of each mission this week we were focusing on the chase sequences which we expect will probably happen i don't know if you if you guys were going to guess what percentage of games are going to have a chase well if we go by our uh, five-part structure, that includes a hunt. Hopefully, a hundred percent. I again, I was trying. I'm trying to uh, widen the definition of a chase to, to. I think hunt mm-hmm. is the better definition, and that I think that yes, a structure where multiple, uh, multiple groups, multiple parties will be doing multiple things in in, in coordination. I think that will almost always happen. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I may except for maybe the intro mission. I doubt your your heist, your quarry will be so easy to pick up. Unless we're doing something incredibly subversive this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we go by the episode count so far, it's 100%, right? So we'll see. Oh, no, I know for sure. Next week, there's another chase. We got another chase coming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there's, we're not getting away from those. <laughs> it's, I think, yeah, so I think that's something important that going forward, we need to start finding a way to make a chase something quick and easy to build, but also fulfilling because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you as the GM may not, you, the GM may know a, a chase is coming, but you may not know the exact details, whether mm-hmm. it's your part of the party has pissed off the guards or the party has, uh, there has failed to hotwire a car and now book it, booking it on foot, or, you know, could mm-hmm. be a dozen different things. So, I think one thing that we may want to consider is just like how to make a modular chase uh, something that even the int- you know introductory GM can make fun for a group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we may have to. So again, you know, we'll go this episode by episode, and we'll probably find some scenarios where it'll be like, oh, this is a chase, this is a hunt, but it is not at all like what we saw have seen previously right it it may be we may end up with a system that genericizes conflict in that way right every every conflict can be handled the same way that we're handling the chase this week may maybe some other kind of conflict is handled 
that way. Yeah, interesting. We'll see how that goes. Any other final notes you guys have for this week? Corgis are cute. Oh, God, so cute. I think he's worth more than two Wulong. <laughs> I, I want to know the price of beef if a dog is worth two Wulong. Right? That, that, <laughs> that is worth right? What is a Wulong? <laughs> so Hakeem is worth eight million Wulong. So, you know, we'll talk about the economy at some point, I'm sure. Uh, Hakeem <laughs> is worth eight million Wulong. Is it, I assume that's a lot. Right? I assume that's it it like, was the like highest dollar, amount like this season. Dollar? That's what right. they said. Right? It's the highest amount this season. But that's a lot of money. Two million was small fry. Two million was just above small fry. No, right? two, two million was like, oh, you're not small fry anymore, Asimov, because you're worth two million Wulong. Right? That, that's yeah. just above. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, and uh, getting information from the, the doctor for 300 mm-hmm. felt like a lot. So I'm like, <laughs> What what is the scale of money here? <laughs> 150 uh eins. <laughs> Next week we're going to talk uh session 3 honky talk women. It was a pleasure speaking to you gentlemen. I'll see you guys next week. I had a fun time. See you next week. See you later. Who's going to do space cowboy? No one. We're done with the space cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've got questions, suggestions, or if you're starting your own Bebop Tabletop session, you can reach us on Twitter, at Bebop Tabletop.